Rookie Designer, episode 177. My name is Jake Van Ness from Graphic Precision, and I'm here with Carl from Holy Carp Design. How you doing, Carl? I'm in a reading mood, so just bear with me. <laughs> you know we're supposed to be doing a podcast, right? Uh, you can wait for this one. In many of the more relaxed civilizations on the outer eastern rim of the galaxy, the Hitchhiker's Guide has already supplanted the great Encyclopedia Galactica as the standard repository of all knowledge and wisdom. For though it is many omissions and contains much that is apocryphal, or at least widely inaccurate, it scores over the older, more pedestrian work in two important respects. Firstly, it's slightly cheaper. And secondly, it has the words, don't panic, inscribed in large friendly letters on its cover. Now I'm not reading, that's from Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'm not reading that for design advice because don't panic, large friendly letters. That is actually some pretty good design advice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we will definitely talk about that. But before we do, let's jump into some design news. Sure thing. What do you got this week? Um, this one is heretical, and I'm sure that this will be omitted from the Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, Dunkin' Donuts is dropping the word donuts from its name. Heresy. Um, <laughs> despite the fact they helped invent the word donut. So, uh, we're a little biased up here in the Northeast because Dunkin' Donuts started here in Massachusetts. Uh, it's a staple, even if their coffee is not the best or their donuts are no longer made in the shop. We all love our Dunkin'. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you live in the Northeast and you drink any coffee, you you definitely would prefer to drink Dunkin' Donuts coffee. I will say they do like to make it very, very, very hot. And sweet. But, uh, yeah, they... they it's not the best regular, coffee. <laughs> if you ask for a regular, I think that's four sugars and four milks. Um but, you know, we've called it Dunkin' forever, or Donkeys, or whatever. Um, I've never called it Donkeys, but some <laughs> other Northeastern said we call it that. Um, it, it is interesting that they're embracing that, because you're right. Like, we don't say, hey, I'm going to, I mean, some people say I'm going to Dunkin' Donuts, but a lot of people say I'm going to get Dunkin'. So it's yeah, interesting. I, that they're, they're embracing that. They're embracing the shorthand of their name, and they're also invalidating a lot of the spoof shirts that have come out, like the Dungeons and Dragons D and D logo uh, <laughs> yeah. shirt that has the Duncan colors on it. Um, That's funny. But they're embracing the shorthand of their name, and I, I guess I'm okay with it. That they're keeping the same font, they're keeping the same colors, but they're gonna need to redo all of their logo stuff on across all these franchises. And I'm sure they'll have a period of a year or two to get that established. But Yeah. And just to go back to what you were saying about the donut part, basically what they, it, it wasn't the word donut in a sense of donut. It was the shortening of the word donut to D O N U T. They popularized that. Um, it looks like starting in the 1950s. But what I thought was funny is that Merriam-Webster actually credits Dunkin' Donuts for helping popularize the spelling, forcing the dictionary to add the word. So you know you're a damn good brand when you force the dictionary to add a word because you've managed to brand it in a way that now people prefer to spell it that way. 
Right. But now and, they're dropping it. And I'm, I am <laughs> glad that this is not like the IHOP rebranding to IHOB. This is not a marketing yeah. Yeah, th- yeah, this is not. This is basically like we talked about is embracing the shortening of their name. That that is really interesting. And I don't know, like we'll we'll see. I I'd be curious to see what happens if there's a lot of backlash or or what happens with that. I think that honestly us in the northeast we we're, we're going to say, "Oh, it's Duncan," just like we've been calling it for the last 20 years. So, whatever. Yeah, and I th- I think that's the difference between saying, okay, we're going to re- rebrand within internally in the company and have an idea of how to do that in the company as opposed to what they're doing, which is they're embracing what they're already seeing their customers and the public say. So, yeah, I think I agree. I think that it'll be a lot less backlash than a lot of other rebrandings. So, interesting yep. news. Yeah, and the other interesting thing is they are a franchise-based company, and if it's like some of the other franchises... Um, they get to dictate how you manage their brand. I don't know if they're going to have all these shops trying to race to rebrand or if they're going to give some time to do that. Yeah, that will be interesting to see if we see like a mix of it, if we travel or anything that we might see in town that one is changed to Duncan, but yet if we go to some other place, because there's a lot of, here in the Northeast, there's a lot of gas stations that have Dunkin' Donuts and not just standalone Dunkin' Donuts or Dunkin's. See, that's the problem. I don't know if I like that. Like saying more than one Dunkin' Donuts is known as Dunkin's. Like that just sounds weird. <laughs> Dunk Eye. Dunk Eye. There we go. It's like mice. It's it's Dunk Eye. That sounds even worse. <laughs> yep. All right, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see when we see that start happening. So the design news that I kind of wanted to share, it's not really news, but it's its interesting stuff coming up, is in March of 2019, Adobe is having their summit. And this is different than Max, because Max is, I think, geared more towards the creative side of things. Um, obviously, it's, there's developer parts of it as well, but I still consider developers creatives. This one is more in a sense of the tools and stuff that are used on the back end for analytics, for measurements, for seeing what traffic you're getting and things like that. It seems like this is definitely more geared towards that aspect. So it's interesting and it's going to be in Las Vegas from the 26th to the 28th with the pre-conference from the 24th to the 25th. Again, as we've talked about in the past, conferences are not cheap. This is $1,495 if you register before the 1st of December or before December. So, again, it's not cheap, but they have some interesting statistics here. 99% of attendees say Summit met or exceeded their expectations. 95% um receive practical information 94 percent would recommend the summit to their peers 91 percent said their objectives for attending were met so i mean it's they've got a really good customer rating for this conference which is always a good thing to hear um they said people that should think about going to this or you'll see at the summit are advertisers analysts campaign managers content managers digital marketers marketing executives, publishers, social marketers, and e-commerce marketers. And I think that basically sums up all the people that are looking at those 
how many people are visiting my website, how many people are viewing my social media content, how many people are, are viewing my video content. It's, it's very much what I would think is like the back end of things, the analytical side of things. So it's an interesting conference. I, I would definitely recommend if you're in any of those fields that you definitely take a look at this. Um, is this something that you think you'd be interested in? You know, I, I have been trying to identify places where I can grow myself, not just uh, maybe outside some of the design side of things and more into the interpretive stuff of marketing. I would probably go if I could see the vendors or talk to some of the people and just kind of do what I did for the How Design conference at a, cheap, at a cheaper option. But I, I, I'm not sure I would travel just to do that. I'd probably have to make it a, a full-on trip with other stuff involved. Yeah, it is tough just to justify that kind of money if it's not really geared specifically towards what you do. Yeah, I think I, I made that mistake when I went to Adobe Max back in 2008. It really wasn't geared towards cre the creative side of things at that point. It was more the developer side of things it was still part of macromedia or actually it was right after they acquired macromedia so it was very much still the web developers conference as opposed to what adobe max is now yeah if they if they taught me something that i could get certified in at the convention with maybe a two or three day class where it was a couple couple hours or or whatnot i would probably go and justify the cost then but i'm not going just to dip my toe in that side of the industry yeah yeah, that totally makes sense. So we'll we'll have both of these news items linked in the show notes, which are at rookiedesigner.com slash rd177. So now back to that little reading that you did at the beginning of the episode and the whole idea of having that nice font on that book that says, don't panic. I really should have this on all my notebooks because the idea... <laughs> of running a business can be scary at times. And um, if you set yourself up in certain ways, you don't really need to panic. Now we've talked about not having all your eggs and all the same size eggs in one basket, right? Yep. And so one of my um, things um, has, um, I'm not even sure if I've said, if I'll say they've expired the, um, the projects that we've been working on, but they're, they're having to reassess the um, project because it's such a deep investment for them. So they, they kind of want to take a step back for a couple weeks and I'm not sure what this will become, but I'm already working on contingency ideas and plans because I want to plan for if, if they are gone to, to have something that'll just dance right in. So instead of being panic mode, I'm trying to discover what'll be the best way for me to reach out and try and fill this. Do I try and find similar work? Do I try and expand in other places? Or do I finally update my website that's been waiting six years for that? Yeah, I think that that's something that it's very easy, especially as a solopreneur, to panic when one of your customers says, hey, you know, we need to take a step back and reevaluate our contract or reevaluate not even 
technically anything that has to do with you. They may be reevaluating things internally in the company and they're just like, okay, in order to do that, we need to put a freeze on everything that's happening so that we can look at it and say, what's going on? That could be really scary for a solopreneur because even though we talked about that, not having all the same size eggs, not having all of your eggs in the same basket, that when a big egg decides to roll off the table and break and you no longer have that egg, that's scary. It is. But you're right. You can't you can't panic about it because one, I think the number one thing you have to realize is you don't have all the information. You don't know what's going on inside that company. You're just unfortunately on the outside of that being told, hold on, sit over there for a second. We'll be right back. Now that could be, we'll be right back in Monday morning, we're going to be like, okay, we figured out what the problem was. We just need to make an adjustment to the contract and we'll move on. Or that could be six months from now and you're going, are they coming back or what? And then all of a sudden they show up and say, okay, we finally figured out what's going on and we just need to make a small adjustment and we need to change the contract. So you have no idea what's going on inside that company. So you can't jump to conclusions and say, oh my God, I lost him as a customer and get scared and panic and freak out. But you're right. You have to have other things coming into the the system to say, okay, maybe I need to look for another big client like that, or maybe I need to have a bunch of little clients to replace that. Because, you know, it would really be a pain in the butt if they came back on Monday and said, hey, everything's okay. Let's move forward. And you picked up five other clients. Boy, would that be a shame. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, that's the interesting thing because I've been chatting with you offline that we've been getting kind of mixed signals from this client because they (laughs) wanted to outsource some work to uh, work with you as well as with me. But also I had felt in other avenues that they were pulling back on certain things. So I'm still trying to get clarity on that. And that's just fine. But meanwhile, I've also been kind of tilling other fields to get stuff going. And there are ways to do this. Um, In part, uh, I may share business stories with you and get advice and what's worked for your business, Um, particularly every door direct mail. That's something I have never, that's uh, an untilled field for me. Yeah, yeah. As is print brokering, I've done a little bit of it, but now we have these printers that you've shared with me that, I've had um, three groups of business cards come through and plus a little bit of design time and I'm making, it's easier money, but it's also good (laughs) money too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I've been trying to think of how expensive do I need my days to be to sustain? What do I need to do if I need to kind of hunker down for a bit? Um, Exploring the ideas of the S corporation. Do I divert? or lower my salary and uh, up my stockholder because it's different tax rates. There are different ways to explore and I'm looking at tilling different fields, looking at my numbers differently or or just kind of hunkering down. Um, I had planned forward enough that over the next few months I'm just fine. But I've also started new relationships by visiting other BNI groups by being a sub. These BNI groups don't have a graphic designer. Nice. Hi, that's me. Yeah. Um, and my BNI contacts within these groups are selling me as one of these new contacts because they, like me, are trying to partner and create a much more robust creative offering. 
So web designers are great people for me to network with because they're selling me. Yeah. So to go back real quick to what you were saying about the conversations we had offline, I think that that goes along that whole lines of don't panic again and reach out to your people that you are in the same industry and say, hey, you know, I'm concerned. Do I need to be concerned? How did you handle this? And what did you do when this happened to you? And that way, it's almost like therapy because you're talking to somebody that whether they have more experience than you or not, it's just somebody that say, hey, you know, the way you're thinking about this is in panic mode. Maybe you need to take a deep breath and say, hey, it's not that big of a deal. Or you may just be like, yeah, whatever. And they might be like, hey, dude, that's like one of two clients you have. You should be worried about this. So there, there is that good interaction to have with somebody else that's in your field that can listen and really relate to what you're going through. Um, I, I, it's really important just to have those relationships with people. And the other thing is, back to BNI, you may need to go talk to a business consultant and say, hey, what are the things that I can do to better protect myself when a situation like this comes up? Is there anything that I should be doing? Is there anything that I should have done before and now I need to to rectify that so that the next time this happens, I'm better prepared. You actually described it really interestingly, like how you picture yourself when it comes to being prepared for those three months. How did you describe that to me? You said you were a dragon sitting oh, on yes, gold. Oh, yes, I am dragon. I am a dragon sitting on a pile of gold, and I'm trying to hoard as much as I can. Um but that's probably not the best way to do it. Uh, you you do need to invest money to make money. So I'm actually hosting a leadership training um, event next month too because part of my client base are leadership training people. And I'm hoping to bring HR people into that place. I'm looking to bring locals in there because we want to bring in some of the nonprofits. I'm looking to have it be a networking event, to have a memory training event that'll help me because I want to remember names. Um, and I'm partnering with one of my clients on this too. So should be a and, good and time. And as much as you say, well, it's, it's not necessarily a, a good thing to hoard your money. No, it's not. Like You shouldn't be sitting there with a, a year's worth of money and saying, I'm not going to spend it on my business. Because first of all, the government's going to say thank you and they're going to tax you more and you're going to end up paying more money anyway. But I think it is important to have that safety net because this is just one client we're talking about. What happens if the economy, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the economy has been very, very good for us as designers and as business people for the last couple of years. We all know that that can change quickly. And if you talk to any investment person, they're basically telling you it's coming. The correction, as they call it, is coming. So having that safety net is a good thing. Being a dragon that's sitting on a year's worth of gold maybe isn't the way to necessarily do that. But definitely sitting on three, four months of gold is not a bad idea because then if this client takes three months to finally decide, okay, yeah, we want to move forward, you can supplement that income a little bit if you need to and make those adjustments and, and say, okay, I had to pull a little bit out of savings while you're trying to either replace that client or, or grow so that that client's not as much of a, an issue for you. 
to share one of my own stories very much in the same realm, um, I recently did a project where I was just the print broker and somebody else was the designer, and that project got put on hold. We got as far as we had printed the proof and sent out the proof to the client. They absolutely loved it. And then I get an email that says, well, we love the proof and we want to move forward. But as a nonprofit, something happened in the world social environment that we can't really produce the book the way it is right now. We either need to let the dust settle and what happened, or we need to eventually redesign a couple pages. So I was expecting to have a project in the month of October that would bring in a couple hundred bucks for me. But now that one, I have, there's a lot of question marks around that. And that also goes in the realm of how do you deal with, again, not panicking, how do you deal with a client that says, hey, I need to put a project on hold that you've already started, that you've already put hours into? Number one, contract. Oh, That's yes. why a contract's important. And, and we've talked about it before that you put stuff into that contract so that if they put it on hold or they cancel it, that one, you have a down payment that I would highly recommend is not refundable. And also you have a clause that says, I will bill you for any hours that are beyond that deposit. In my case what I'm doing is I basically, the first thing I wrote back to him is said, hey, it's not just me that needs to, to get paid. My printer needs to get paid. They, they've done work already. They've sent out a proof. They've mailed that proof to you. They have money invested in this, time and paper and ink and all that invested in this. As a print broker, I'm responsible to pay them for that work that they did, so you need to pay me for the work that I've already done. And that includes the pre-press work I did and the, the basically print prep that I did for my design client. So it, it's and so I have to go back to my design client and say, okay, I need to bill you for the print prep work that I did. And, and so it's, it's kind of a weird relationship. This is a, one of the first times I've actually been just a print broker on something. So it's, it's very two-ended where I'm dealing with a designer on one side and I'm dealing with the end user on the other side. Typically, I would just deal with the designer and say, okay, I'll mail everything through you and just deal with them. But the relationship I have with this designer, she wanted me to be in front of these people. But it was interesting that I got that notice and they're like, okay, we need to put this project on hold. You get the notice about your client that's like, hey, we need to put this on hold. And we both were like, okay, what is going on? And again, it all comes down to don't panic. Don't freak out about it. Yes, it's okay to be a little stressed about it and to say, hey, you know, I'm a little worried as to what's going on. But don't freak out. Like, take a deep breath, take a step back, look at what what can you do so that something like this, when it happens, doesn't affect things as much. And a lot of that is scaling your business so that a client, no matter how big they are, isn't the end of your business, isn't going to put you in the hole for six months. That's, that's again, going back to, and I'll link to that episode where we talked about not having all your eggs in one basket, not having all your eggs be the same size either. Right. So it, it's really important to think about that. So, you know, um, my leadership training uh, world has kind of started uh, invading my mind and I've 
come up with a little bit of an action plan. Because um, I'm going to have 20 to 30 hours a month available, unless I fill that time with other clients, which is entirely possible because there's always stuff coming in. Um, <laughs> not not stuff that's a uh, contract like 20 hours a month, but whatever. I, my action plan is to get my website done and launched. It's been, I've been sitting on this framework since March and it's just got to get done. So I'm going to do that. I'm also going to reach out to the clients that I typically talk to about this time of year because there are catalogs to be done for their training for next year. So I'm going to reach out to them. I'm also going to start talking about these other services that I've kind of taken for granted and ignored services that I can make easy money on and offer to my clients locally, like every door direct mail or like uh, just simple printing stuff. Um, I'm the graphic designer in the BNI group, so I can't sell print brokering in the room, but I can offer it in one-to-ones or offer it to my clients after the fact. And if there, I feel there are clients that are due for a new order of product, I'm going to reach out to them too. And then I'm going to check in with some of my clients who I haven't heard from in a little a little while. And, and I know anybody that is experienced in what we're doing is going to hear this and they're going to say, why weren't you doing any of that before? Of course you were doing some of it. But the biggest thing is we all get busy. Our businesses get really busy. And one of the mistakes I think we all make is we forget to take the time to work on our own business. And that is a great way to look at this situation to say this opens up an opportunity. It almost pushes you through that door and says, hey, take this opportunity, work on your business in the website side, in finding other products, in saying, okay, I'm going to take the time to follow up with those clients because I've got the time to do that. There's things we'll talk about in future podcasts on how you can take that action plan and make it part of your overall week so that you you don't have to wait for an opportunity like this. But believe me, I totally understand. Like I, I have periods where my business is slower than it, it typically wanted to be. And, and I say, okay, that's the time to say, okay, I'm going to go in and I'm going to write a bunch of blog posts or I'm going to put together a video. It's really smart to have that action plan. And I think coming up with that action plan before something like this happens is really, it's, it's always hard to think that oh, that contract's never going to go away. Or sorry, it's easy to think that way. It's easy to think, oh, this contract's going great. We've been working together. Like I've got the newspaper client. I've been working with him for three or four years now, if not longer. I basically wake up every day and assume that's going to be there because it's it. nothing has changed in three years. We do the same thing every month. We put the paper out. I get paid. It just, it works really well. But I have to be careful that I don't take that for granted because if he suddenly decides to sell it, he's or old enough. Tire. Right. He's old enough where he could just be like, I am tired of dealing with this. And he decides to sell it. I could be out. Now, hopefully I'm not because hopefully whoever he sells it to, I can build a relationship with them. But the, I'm going to have to rebuild that contract and rebuild that relationship. So it's really easy to take for granted these contracts that we have that give us a bulk of our work. 
But it's good to have that action plan in place to say, okay, if something happens, then I could take a step back, take a deep breath, and don't panic and say, here are the steps that I need to take to better my business so that, again, they come back to you in a month from now and you've landed a bunch of other clients that now take up 10 of those hours or 15 of those 20 hours. I'm pretty sure you're not going to be upset they came back and said, okay, we need to give you those 20 hours again. You're just going to have to figure out how you scale that. Yeah. And that and that kind of goes too with going back to episode 176 where we talked about moving on. There may be a time where certain contracts where you have this fluctuation or you have something like this happen. And, it, and I, from talking to you, obviously, it's not this one because this one is, is one that you're very passionate about. But say it's one that you've been frustrated with for six months and you say, you know what? They decided to put everything on hold. You go out and find another contract. You go out and find a bunch of new clients. And then they come back to you. There is nothing wrong with saying, I'm sorry, but I've filled the space that you had with other clients because I've moved on. That's a perfect opportunity to do that. Not saying that you will, but that's that's another way that you can deal with something like that. Or perhaps if you do have a client that's taking the majority of your time, you may make this, the leap and ask them, hey, can I become an in-house designer? I want to learn your business yeah. and I want to live your business. So I know we advocate from the perspective of being uh, freelancers, but don't forget, I've been an in-house designer for majority of my career, and I enjoyed that comfort. So um, don't and be some afraid of that to can, ask. Some of that can happen internally, too. Yeah. Like, you, you can have projects that you're working on when you're working for a business that they say, okay, we're going to put this on hold, and you put your heart and soul into that new new product launch project or so and, and again you just you can't sit there and go oh my god they're gonna never use anything i did the product's never gonna come out that might be the case but you can't panic about that you have to take a step back and say okay what do i do now obviously your your hours are controlled by them because you work for them so they may say okay we're gonna move you from this project for this product launch over to this website launch and you need to do this now Unfortunately, inside working for a business, that can happen and that can be difficult and frustrating. But again, don't panic. It's work. You have a job. Keep moving on. Now, at the same time, if you're working for somebody and you're seeing more and more stuff be put on hold, this is one reason you should never stop looking to see what's out there. Because unfortunately, a lot of businesses have ups and downs and they do have to lay people off. If you see a lot of things being put on hold, Again, don't panic. Just start finding what you can do to protect yourself. And that's another reason to make sure that you have that pile of gold to sit on. Even if you're working for somebody else, don't expect your job to always be there. Realize that something could happen and you need to have stuff in place so that something happens and you get laid off. You might have to move on to another job. But that's why you should always have your ear to the ground. You should always be looking at the employment areas and say, well, what's going on? What areas are, are having jobs available and stuff like that? So that can still happen to you when you work for somebody else. That's very true. All right. So you go ahead and sit back down on your pile of gold and we're going to move on to our recommendations this week. 
What do you got? I've got one of the most terrible good movies out there. <laughs> yes. Uh, this came out in 2005, and it's relevant for today's uh, film panic thing. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, is currently on Netflix. If you haven't watched this, I would recommend watching it. Alan Rickman is the voice of the robot. It's goofy. It's irreverent. It's hilarious, and it's a shame they didn't actually do the rest of the movies. But they had talked fun. about doing it, didn't they? At one point, they said they might. I think so, but this this really did not rate very well when it was. <laughs> no, in it did not. It, um, it is. If you haven't read the books, by far, like you have to read the books. They're great. They're they're fun to read. They're quirky. The movie don't expect a lot, but enjoy the parts that are hilarious, that are really well done. And the voice of the robot, I was telling Carl before we started, that is exactly how I heard it in my head. It is exactly what I pictured in my head. So they did embody that well. Some of the other characters, eh, not so much. So, I, yeah, I, I, that's a great recommendation. So my recommendation is kind of the, the same realm. It, it's a, a short film that I, I don't know how I missed this when it came out. It came out quite a, about a year ago, it looks like. Actually, almost two years ago. And it's called the short film Alike. And basically, what it's, it's very what they described is like Pixar-like. The animation is very Pixar-like. And it's basically talking about how society kills creativity. Now, as creatives, I highly recommend you watch this. You'll enjoy it. It's cute. It's really short. It's only about eight minutes long. It's fun. And it's really, really well animated. And it's awesome. Both Carl and I really enjoyed it. And, and it, just, it just has this story about a little kid... And what happens to the creativity in us as we're growing up and how we get into this routine and get into going to work every day and we lose that creativity. Now, luckily, Carl and I are in the business of using our creativity, so that doesn't necessarily happen to us as easily. But a lot of people do lose that creativity. So it's a very, very good talk or film on what we see happens in society so definitely check it out i will link to the youtube video so you can take a gander and watch it love the animation it's really cute and it's really well done so i think that's everything we have this week so is there anything else that you want to add for this week just don't panic i agree and remember everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star.